from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Hello, friends, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied Therapeutic Humor. I get to talk to so many cool people on this show. It just has really opened up my eyes, so many different things. And today, my my virtual travels take me all the way to Canada, where I get to talk to Pam Wiener. Now, Pam's a retired educator, and what's cool is she also is a hypnotherapist, certified the National Guild of Hypnosis. I've always wanted to be hypnotized, but I'm always kind of scared that somebody's going to implant something in my brain, but uh, whatever. Also, she does stand-up comedy, which I think is amazing. Anybody that can do a little stand-up, I mean, for me, I go up and speak, but it's a little more controlled. Uh, I'm always always enamored by people that do stand-up. So, welcome, Pam, to LaughBox. Hi, Chip. Thanks for having me. How are things up in Canada? Well, specifically, I'm from Montreal, and um, the last two days have been a little warm, thank goodness, because uh, we just had a huge dump of snow, and uh, we got all the trucks out, and, but thank goodness Mother Nature is on our side. Well, see, that's the nice thing about living up north. Like, I live in Wisconsin, which isn't Canada, but it is the north. But we know how to remove snow. So we get nine inches. It's nothing. It's like, you know, it's business as usual. Even if we got, I remember one year we got a whole foot, and the, school, the schools were still open the next day. It's like, we're going to clear this. Let's move on. We, we don't let yeah, snow. Yeah, well, this was two feet, Chip. <laughs> a little difference. A little difference. In Toronto, they say they would call out the army, but not here. <laughs> that's funny. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you, um, how'd you get involved in humor? What are your humor roots? What I, my humor roots, I think, mostly come from teaching preschool, um, which I taught for 29 years. And um, I always loved to laugh. Um, you know, here in Montreal, we have the Just for Laughs Festival. And I almost never have missed that. I've never heard and, of that. Beg your pardon? I've never heard of the Just for Last Festival. Come on. No, I really haven't. What's that about? I might have it's, to go I might have to go to Montreal. Oh, it's fantastic. It's uh and now it's just grown and grown and grown. Well, you know, Montreal is a city of festivals. Because when the weather changes, we know how to celebrate here. <laughs> and we have, like, the jazz festival, and we have the beer festival, and the food festival, and we have, but the Just for Laughs festival has been around for 25 years. Did you say, the, did you say the boob festival? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Because I'm definitely, I am definitely going to Montreal. Food, it, food, oh, food, food, Chip. Get food. your mind out of the gutter. Food. I Anyways. thought you said boob. I was like, I'm going to Montreal. No. I mean, that sounds like yeah, it, really. kind of festival. We got our, I hear we got our first hooters. Anyways. Um, so, yeah. Um, they were giving, uh, there was a laughter a leader giving a class at uh, the place where I used to work. And I grabbed somebody who I used to work with who had a great sense of humor. It said, like, you know, laugh for no reason or whatever it was. And I said, we have to go. Let's just go check it out. 
And I went and I loved it right away. Mm-hmm. We ended up being in a preschool class to do it. And it was a preschool teacher who was the laughter leader. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, I said, you know, I was in transition and uh, didn't know what I was going to do for the next part of my life. And um, she said somebody was coming to Montreal to do training in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I said, looked at my friend. I said, you know, I think this would be a great use of my skills. She said, I think you'd be great. I'd go for it. So I took the training. It'll be nine years ago in May. Mm-hmm. And uh, went on from there. Um, it's, it's funny when uh, you say that uh, it was a, you loved it automatically because um, having, you know, with me, when I went through certified laughter leader, you know, training, you know, it, 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 it automatically resonated with me. You know, I, I got it. I understood it. You know, but it doesn't always resonate with people right away. It's one of those things where, Hmm, this is a little too far outside my comfort zone. Hmm. I don't know if I can do this. So it's interesting that you said that. Cause I think that some people it's an automatic for and other people they've kind of, yeah, they got to kind of grow into it a little bit. Well, I'll tell you, Chip, you know, when I was in Orlando, um, like winning that scholarship was great. That was Mary Kay Morrison who, who you know, kind of pushed me into that. Uh, Mary Kay had been there for me. I was doing a presentation for the Quebec Association of uh, Teachers, mm-hmm. Provincial Association of Teachers, and she gave me like a whole chapter of her book to use for the presentation, and that's how we struck up a relationship, and she encouraged me to go and my family you know they just thought it was nuts and at the end of the conference you had a chance to say how you felt about it and I got up and I said you know my family makes me feel like I'm crackers but being here has made me feel like I'm just in one big box of crackers and I thought that was a really good description. I it really feel at home there. It definitely is um, that kind of experience for people. That's hilarious that you put it like that. Because I always tell people that when they come to ATH, most of the time they've been the oddball, the goofball, the outcast. And when they get there, they have found their people. This is their group. So everybody is equally um, in the same box. I like that. Same box of crackers. Nice. Yeah. Good analogy, Pam. Good analogy. Well, I want to talk yeah, about I, your stand-up, but I, 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 I have to know about this hypnosis thing. Tell me about how okay. you got in. Cause it has nothing to do with humor. I'm just I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't get to meet that many people that uh, dabble in the hypnotic arts. Well, I have to be very honest. I, um, I use it personally. I don't really, I don't do hypnosis like on anybody I it was a, an experience there are many things like I'm I'm the eternal student mm-hmm. okay and the brain fascinates the hell out of me mm-hmm. so I took it more from that point of view um, and I have I've used it more on myself but I developed this wonderful relationship with the teacher mm-hmm. And she actually hypnotized me, and um, it'll be three years I haven't had a cigarette in the fall. 
Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And I mean, I understand hypnosis now, and I appreciate it, but I would really have to tweak it if I and really go back and study it some more if I wanted to use it. But I understand the myths behind it, and you must know about Albert Nuremberg. Yeah. Okay, well, like his hypnotic bar is all about hypnosis and laughter. It's, uh, and he, that's probably where I got interested, was through Albert, who, where I met my teacher, I went to this open house, I met my teacher, and then it was with my teacher that, who had already taken this comedian's course twice, that I went and took the stand-up course with. And we became humor buddies. Oh. My hypnotist friend and I. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm planning a conference right now in Montreal. I'm very active with the Montreal Center for Learning Disabilities. And my teacher is uh, going to be closing the conference. He's going to be, he has anxiety, and he's going to be talking. His title is... Um, in my head and out of my mind. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's a good segue, though, as far as you did hypnosis and that kind of, you know, in dealing with somebody else kind of led you to taking a stand-up class. So yeah. what was that like? The stand-up is, I have to tell you how wonderful it is. Um, I've met people I would never meet, people half my age, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been told by someone recently who, like, I showcased for that I reminded him of Phyllis Diller, which was great, because that's kind of what I'm after, you know, like the Fang thing, I talk about my husband, who I've been with for 43 years, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but the whole thing is that it, being a laughter leader really prepares you for being a stand-up comedian. Because when you're a laughter leader, you know not everybody's going to get it, not everybody's going to like it, and you let it roll off your back. Mm -hmm. You learn to let it roll off your back fairly quickly. And that's what you need as a comedian, to be able to keep getting up on stage if people don't like your joke, and, you know, instead of, like, saying, oh, okay, i got to, you know, change that. Uh, be totally deflated by it, you know, and say, oh, I can't get up on stage again. Mm -hmm. It's a very different mindset. So I found that the laughter therapy has helped a lot with the stand-up. But the stand-up is not where I'm going to make money. The stand-up is practice for me. I understand um, I did it because I understood the value of humor as an educator and as a speaker, and that's really what my ultimate goal is. I have to tell you that Loretta LaRoche and Judy Carter are my role models. Well, when you're going through and you're developing a set, what's the process you go through to develop a you know set before you go on stage? Because I know you said you just showcased last night, so you know. No, I, I did a set last night. Oh, a set. Uh, I, no, I did a showcase for uh, like uh, the top comedy club mm -hmm. here in Montreal. It's called the Comedy Nest, 
And a couple of weeks ago, um, I did a showcase for the guy who runs it to see about, you know, maybe performing on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So what's your process you go through to develop a, you know, uh, a comedic set? Well, you know, people, it's interesting because yesterday I was talking to my niece's husband who writes for some of the comedians that have performed at Just for Lots. And we're talking like uh, P.K. Saban last year he got to meet and write for. Mm-hmm. You know who P.K. Saban is? I do not know him. Player? Nope. nope. Okay. We'll That's fine. Um, I'm trying to think of who else you would know. But some, some pretty famous comedians. And he said, you know, Pam, when you're starting out, stick to the rules before you break them. Wait till you're, you know, seasoned before you start breaking them. So there are rules. I mean, there's things like a, always use a string of three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, for instance, I had a joke and I was using four uh, just for the heck of it. And he said, no, you have to stick to three. Mm-hmm. That's the way it goes. And there's always coming up with, you know, you, you do that build up. Um, you will maybe have your string of three and then you'll have that totally surprise where you twist things like off the beginning where people are expecting something and you do something totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. That's the punch. Veering off from like your intro, sort of. I don't know how to explain it better than that. But and to use like Judy Carter says, she calls it the message of you. Mm-hmm. I use, I use everything comes from my personal life. So like I talk when, about my family. I talk about my husband. I talk about myself. So last night when you were um, doing your set or some of the. You know, Give us some of the 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 bits. I'm dying to I'm dying to laugh because I, I think we made a little bit of a shift in I don't want to say a shift in uh, comedy, but a little bit. It, you could you know, 20 years ago see somebody would just do a bunch of one-liners and so forth, but I think that a lot of comedians now are much better storytellers. They tell yeah. a really they tell a really good story, and at the end of the story, that's when you know the like you said the twist is that makes you laugh, or they you know add the 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 bit of three that it's a little bit uh, comedy has evolved a little bit. Yes, but um, there's a difference between storytelling and and doing stand up because you have to be getting. Uh, laughs, even though you're telling a story, every couple of minutes, you know, like it's got to be, you can't, you can't go too long without getting a laugh or you're losing your audience. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, well, but, and, and, and there are certain structures like you, and this is true of a speaker. If you want um, somebody you, it's good to warm up the audience before you even start. So you would come out, um, and if you were a speaker, and you would say, hey, how about all those waitresses that are serving that wonderful food today? Mm-hmm. Let's give it up for them. But in comedy, you will mostly hear it for the host, you know, mm-hmm. because you want to get them clapping and in a good mood. Mm-hmm. 
you create that momentum. So I come out and I say, yeah, I just had a really big birthday, you know, I just turned 61. Well, now I decided we're getting closer to July. I think I should say, yeah, I'm about to be have a big birthday. I'm going to mm-hmm. be 62. But that means I've been with the same goddamn man for 43 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you know what happens? It's really weird um, when you've been with somebody for so long, you develop pet names for your loser. I mean, my husband. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I have a pet name for him. I, I call him the seasoning sneaker. Um, and that's because uh, he keeps uh, throwing things into the pot every time I turn my back. Too bad. He thinks he's so creative in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But it's just too bad that he's not as creative in the bedroom as he is <laughs> in the kitchen. Not cool. like me. I get my best ideas in the bedroom. That's and funny. I think that's where we'll stop. <laughs> but I, I could go back now. I have some really good ones I've developed for. I, I last night I tried a new one on ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I, I've been working on um, uh, the be getting older, and you know what that's like. So I talk about hearing and sight and and filters and memory mm-hmm. and joints. And, uh, <laughs> and I, you know, and it's such a young crowd. I go, no, not the kind you smoke, you know, the kind that crack like your neck I tell you <laughs> and, what. and your back and your knees. I get that. I mean, I feel like every morning, like somebody beat me with a stick while I was sleeping. I don't remember oh, feeling yeah. like, I don't feel like, I don't remember feeling like that when I was in my twenties, but certainly, you know, every morning I'm just like, Oh man, I look over at Gwen and my wife and I'm like, did you, beat on me while I was sleeping. She's like, no. Well, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised. She's like, I'd no. like to video my husband one night. I don't know. I wake up some nights. I feel morning. I feel like I'm in a coffin and I'm in a king size bed. <laughs> that's funny. So, you know, with your uh, comedy then, that's, you know, how has that helped you, you know, personally? Because it? it's practice. Like, my husband looks at me sometimes, and, and like even last night, because I was performing for maybe three, four people, mm-hmm. okay? But the point is, I was performing. Mm-hmm. It's practice. And it's, um, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I went to this total dive, and he was selling the kids. He's going, kids, say goodbye to your mother. You may never see her again. Mm-hmm. And like, why would you want to go there? It turned out to be a great crowd, and I've never in my life seen a show like that. And thank goodness it didn't happen to me. But I'm waiting for the day that it does, where um, you're heckled. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I was with two girlfriends, and they were heckling the the last two uh, comedians, and I've never had to handle that. But you have to learn to handle that even when you're speaking. So it's like, it's practice and it's preparation for what my ultimate goal is. I want to do a TEDx like my (laughs) sister-in-law. 
Well, it's I have kind a of... lot of. I have a lot to live up to. I have a super, a super brother and sister-in-law. She's uh, written a book on cancer. She's a two-time cancer survivor. My brother's a huge philanthropist in this city, and I'm just a little comedian walking around. Show me the money. <laughs> I don't know. I think that uh, getting up on stage. But I'm happy. I yeah. am so happy. I think to get up on stage point. and doing a set like that, uh, where it's it's all just comedy, is much harder than than write, writing a book. Um, it just there's not as much rejection that comes with that, especially like you said, you know, working with a small crowd. You said that you know uh, what last night you said three or four people you had in the crowd, which is a really it's a different yeah, and the, well, and and the worst crowd that was only three four people. That's the crowd. The rest are the comedians, mm -hmm. and those are the worst because they've, you know, they're first of all probably not even listening to you because they're so busy into their own stuff, right? Um, or they've heard your stuff twenty times before, mm -hmm. so you can't depend on them for a lot. But you know, I was just thinking, Chip, that my sister—I've heard my sister-in-law speak many times. She's an excellent, excellent speaker. But she was coached for this TED Talk. And one of the things that I loved about this TED Talk that she did was she used humor for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it showed, and it, it grabbed people in a different way. It's like I've seen people walk away where they had to run, like women run to the bathroom for Q-tips because their mascara is running. But... This time it was different because she used humor. She still got that, you know, feeling across of the the sadness of the whole thing. But with the humor, she lightened the whole thing up. It was, I don't know, I can't describe it, but I, I just know how valuable it is in any presentation and in day-to-day -day life. My life has changed. So immensely. I don't know how I would survive today without that, um, you know, switch that's taken place. And I know, like, when uh, I also do um, a monthly, uh, um, <clears throat> I do volunteer at a cancer wellness center. Mm -hmm. And um, that's also mind boggling, you know. But I, I often say there that my mom was a great lady, but she wasn't terribly demonstrative. She must be rolling in her grave right now because I've turned into the most huggy-feely person, <laughs> you know, uh, because you know, Chip, after you laugh with people, how you, you, you know, you just feel like they're your good friend and you feel like hugging them or a connection is made. Well, I'm not really there where I feel like hugging them. However, <laughs> it's a, uh, just kidding. I'm not, uh, but you're right. When you do laugh with people, it's, it's a, uh, a communal experience that it just, it brings people a little bit closer together. So for you in your own personal journey, I mean, how do you add humor to your everyday life or what, you, what do you look for? What are the things that you do to keep your spirit intact? Or what are the things that you share with people to say, hey, these are the things that you can do to add a little more humor or laughter to their life in order to um, get over the hump and just be a little less stressed? Well, you know, 
I'm still working on my husband who's, uh, you know, gets stressed about the that the uh, onions didn't turn out quite the way he wanted. And, uh, I kind of try and go like, hey, we're having onions. There are a lot of people out there who aren't worried about eating onions They're, that are caramelized. They're just worried about eating. Uh-huh. Um, but in general, my husband's a pretty funny guy. Mm-hmm. My dad, by the way, was a hysterical guy. He, um, he would be, uh, I think he would be pleased. And, uh, I have twin sons who are quite funny. They like to do imitations and such, and they, uh, they make me laugh a lot and I make them laugh a lot. Um, you know, and, and I've learned, they, they like to make fun of me in the family, you know, because. I, there's a lot there to work with. Well, that's some of the best things. Like my kids, they have a great sense of humor. And some of my favorite things is when they're all together in the house here and we're all razzing each other and, and making fun of each other. They just think it's, it, it's a good time. So that's, you know, interesting. I mean, you get most of your humor just from your immediate environment, you know, from the people. Well, yeah, listen, my kids have moved out there. I uh, my boys are going to be 30 next January, my twins, and my daughter still lives here, but she's rarely here. She's 31. And yet we come together most nights for dinner, even if it means that we wait till 8 o'clock or, mm-hmm. you know. And so we have that. That's when we make that connection. And even if it's short and sweet, um, it's often, you know, several times a week. And for me, I have now, I mean, I go, my husband's not pleased because it's right in the middle of of the day on Saturday, but I go, like, faithfully to a laughter class. Mm -hmm. I used to do them, you know, hold them, but now I'm so happy someone else is holding them and I can just go and have a great time. And it's like, I have to say, it's like going to church for me. You know, I come home and I feel fantastic and, and there's a lasting effect. Laughter Church. Uh, yeah. That's an interesting concept. Laura yeah. Gentry. I mean, doesn't she do that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, one of us is uh, definitely she's at the pulpit. Oh, I know. We've got several people like that within the organization that uh, are, uh, but I don't, I was just looking at it as a concept, you know, a laughter church where there's you know, not talking about God, you're just laughing which would be an interesting concept. Anyway, I digress. So what's next for you? What's next for me? Well, I am, see, it's a a good thing that I have a sense of humor because uh, a couple of things haven't worked out for me this year. Um, And I was able, it definitely built resilience. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been able to pick myself up and, and go. I just got some, uh, nice publicity in a smaller newspaper here because I, uh, they decided to use it as a marketing ploy. I just did a workshop for, um, an, uh, a residence, a retirement residence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm going to see if I can hit a few more of those. I also have worked um, at the, one of the Y's here with special needs adults, 
so I'm going to hopefully do that. And that's kind of try to keep me busy because I have, was supposed to start two blocks from my house. There is a school for kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. And um, I was supposed to start volunteering uh, once a week there, teaching laughter classes oh, how fun. to the whole school. But it fell through because of red tape, and I am like just devastated by that because it's something I've wanted to do for years. I actually met with the teachers, gave an outline of what I wanted to cover, mm-hmm. and the Friday before the Monday I was supposed to start, which was like Valentine's week, he sent me an email saying that the board made a directive that for now there's no volunteers. How interesting is that? See, I would think that anybody would want free help. That's just you know, that's usually well, my it's right now it's it has to do with a record check. Oh. You know, and their process and until they get in come to some kind of agreement the board with the police because it's it used to be the police who did the record checks, and now it's the board who does it. And I had my record check done. I was ready to start. Mm-hmm. But I guess there, it's red tape. But this principal is fantastic, and I would really like to work with him. But I, you know, I know it has nothing to do with him. His hands are tied. That's just the way it is I'll sometimes. Him again. Beg your pardon? I said that's just the way it is sometimes. But yeah. Well, and I'm keeping very busy on this conference, and I am a, the fundraiser for uh, this uh, organization, and uh, have a lot to learn from us. And um, the next thing is our um, comedy event that I was the one that's in charge of. Oh, how exciting! Yeah, so I have stuff up ahead and I'm always you know looking for I, I I am actively I have to actively go out there and ask for spots no one is it's rare like yesterday I was asked if I wanted to come to this place but like to the big places you have to apply yourself mm-hmm and you know and wait and see but it's worth it because they're nicer places they're nicer places with bigger audiences yes absolutely (laughs) like the comedy nest is well known it's the top it's the top club in montreal and i've been there a few times i'm happy to say you can even catch a video of me there well, that brings me to um, there. After today, if people want to uh, find you or connect with you, where do they go? Well, I don't really have a wonderful Facebook page. I mean, I no, I don't have a wonderful website yet. So, I guess best is to contact me through Facebook or through email. Um, you could do Pam. No, do uh, Pamela underscore wiener, W-E-N-E-R, at hotmail.com. And I'm in Montreal, so if anybody, you know, wants to do anything comedy-wise or they want to do, you know, laughter sessions, all they have to do is contact me. I 
I'm happy to do as much laughter as I can to get as much into my life. Excellent, as we all and do. Spread it, spread yes. it. I have to say one thing, Chip, before I, I know you want to go. That I, I am sure, because you've been around longer than I have, um, I'm very encouraged. I see great strides having been taken since I first came in nine years ago. I feel that, um, that there's so much more science behind us, more credibility, more people are much more open and accepting. I mean, there are always going to be your haters, your doubters. You're never going to please everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't expect to. But I feel in general, we have taken some huge strides, much like I feel like I have, you know, educating people about learning disabilities. Um, I guess I feel like educating people about laughter. And I feel like both fields come a long way, but we got a long way still to go. Right. We are, I think that uh, humor and laughter have certainly become a lot more mainstream. On, Absolutely. You know, people looking at it as uh, something they, they really need and looking for ways that they can incorporate it. And I appreciate you sharing, you know, different ways that you incro uh, incorporate, you know, humor and laughter and comedy into your life. I just think that that's an important uh, aspect. And I'm, you know, hats off to you for getting up on stage and, you know, putting yourself out there because I know it's not an easy task. You know, every, you know, because every crowd is different. Um, and right. sometimes your delivery is a little bit different and afterwards you're always, you know, cycling through is like, okay, how could I done that? How can I tweak that a little bit better? So hats off to you for putting yourself out there. I know it's not easy. Thank you. Well, yeah, and, I, and, and, and just one other thing is though, that the laughter therapy is all about improv, which I've taken a huge interest now and, um, because it helps the stand up. It's like a huge circle. It's like a you know a huge circle. Mm -hmm. The the laughter therapy is all about improv, and you improve your comedy if you can improve your improv. I agree so. with that. I absolutely agree with that. Well, yeah. thanks for spending some time with me today. It was a lot of fun. It was talking. a pleasure. Yeah. I wish I could say I was going to see you in Orlando again. <laughs> well, maybe we'll. I'll make it to Montreal for the Boob Festival. For the Boob Festival, no. Look up just for laughs. It's at the end of July, and it is fabulous. That would Barbara's be fun. Barbara's been here. Barbara Grapstein came. Well, we'll um, and Maya's here, and Guy is here. We'll check that out. I have to get up. All right. All right. Well, thanks very much. And for those of you who've been you listening. You can hook up with Julie. She's going to come, too. <laughs> that didn't sound right, hooking up with Julie. Um, <laughs> So, uh, well, we all love Julie. So for those of you who've been listening today, this has been Laugh Box, the podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. I encourage you to check out our website at www.aath.org. That's ath, that's um, .org, askwithalisp.org. Uh, check us out and check what we have coming up. Thanks again, Pam. Thanks, Chip. Have a great day. You too. Bye. This is Laughbox, <laughs> the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Laughbox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review Laughbox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.